Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. That's good. How's everybody doing? Good. All right. Well, I'm Jeff, if you don't know me, and and, uh, I'm the pastor, and so... So that means I'm preaching now. And so let's do this. We're, we're, we started last week a uh, series called Welcome to the Kingdom, in which we're, we're, we're talking about this whole kind of uh, mysterious concept in Scripture um, uh, about this idea of the kingdom. Because especially when you get into the New Testament, there's lots of talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and, and uh, coming into the kingdom, and our, you know, the kingdom rewards, and all kinds of kingdom stuff in the Bible. And uh, uh, there's a lot of talk. It's funny, as much talk as there is in scripture about the kingdom, um, it's a lot. I think a lot of times people stay away from it in terms of teaching and preaching because it's, it can be a little bit mysterious. And so, uh, so we're going to dive into that. I was thinking earlier, um, when I was in the army, I was back in the mid nineties and I was stationed in Washington, DC and I was uh, a chaplain assistant. Excuse me, chaplain assistant at Fort Myer, which is the little little uh, post that uh, sits right next to Arlington Cemetery. And the unit that I was a part of was the uh, the Old Guard, which is the uh, ceremonial unit for the Army. And so they do all the um, uh, funerals in Arlington Cemetery, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, the drill team, the uh, you know all kinds of stuff that they do, White House arrival ceremonies and that sort of. So I was the chaplain assistant for that unit. And uh, very cool assignment. Got to meet a lot of really interesting people. I got to meet the president twice. Uh, president Clinton was uh, president during those years and uh, got to meet him twice. And, and the, the first time I met him, it was after there was an incident when, when a, um, a Marine helicopter had gone down. And so there was a memorial service for those Marines on, uh, at the chapel where I worked. And so um, the, the president was speaking at that memorial and so when the president, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation when the president comes around, but uh, security is beefed up in a serious, serious way, right? I mean, they're, they're there a couple days ahead of time, making sure everything is secure and safe and setting up uh, security checkpoints and all kinds of stuff. And so on the day uh, of the memorial service when President Clinton was to, to arrive, um, it, I mean, high tension, high uh, energy type day there in the chapel. Lots of cleaning and organizing had gone on, you know, to prepare for the fact that the president was coming uh, to the chapel where we all worked. And so uh, as we're getting everything ready and, and uh, at one point, you know, we, 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 all of us that kind of worked there stood, stand in line and President Clinton comes through. He shakes all of our hands. It was, you know, kind of cool meeting the president, that sort of thing. And so um, as the... As the memorial service starts, before the president speaks, there, uh, there were several other dignitaries that spoke and some music and some other things that went on and uh, a slideshow or whatever that, that they played. And, um, and so I was back with some of the other soldiers in uh, an office uh, kind of behind, uh, it would be kind of like behind the screen there, you know, kind of behind where everybody was meeting. And, um, and so everybody is, you know, we're, we've all been told, keep things quiet. You know, make sure nobody's getting loud and, and make sure every, everything is quiet out here because we don't want to disturb the service. And so I'm in the office and as I'm sitting there, <coughs> all of a sudden out in the hallway, right outside the door of the office, I hear somebody getting loud in the hallway. And having been told, make sure you keep things under control and keep things quiet, I jumped up and, and, and what I heard was somebody was out in the hallway singing. 
and they were singing Amazing Grace, but singing it like really like way too loud for, you know, for what was going on at that moment. It could have disturbed. So I jumped out and I, I literally kind of, you know, you ever kind of hang out, you know, hang out of a door, like you jump and grab hold of the door frame and you kind of peek out like this. And so I grabbed hold of the door frame and, and lurched out like this. And I went Shh, like this. And I shushed Bill Clinton who was standing there singing Amazing Grace. And he got this super sheepish look on his face. And I'm like, I'm like every bit of a private, right? Okay. And, and I shush Bill Clinton and he's like, oh. And I was like, oh no, sir, you go ahead and keep on singing, right? You sing whatever you want to sing. But it was, it was this cool, it was this cool moment. Not that moment, that was mortifying to me, but that <laughs> The whole, the whole, the whole day was like, it was just this day where, okay, you know, the leader of the free world is going to be around. And so preparations have to be made, right? It was like just intense, intense, intense. And so what we're going to talk about today with this idea of the kingdom is we're going to talk about Jesus's role in the kingdom, which is that of our King. He is our King. And what we find out through scripture is that the scripture paints this picture of Jesus is our king in the here and now, and he is also our future and coming king. And I want to look at, at what all that looks like. Before we get there, let me just kind of, uh, if you weren't here last week, let me catch some of you up on kind of a little bit about what we talked about last week. Where we talked about kind of the story of the kingdom. And the story of the kingdom goes like this. Real, I'm just going to, you know, blast through it real fast, where uh, basically from the beginning, when God created everything, he established this perfect kingdom, this perfect, perfect kingdom. Everything was perfect. Everything was full of his glory. Everything was full of his presence. Uh, the earth was full of his glory. And, and uh, when he created the first man and the first woman, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, they actually got to walk with him in his presence in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. And the, one of the things, not only was cre- all creation perfect because he created it perfect, it was perfect because his presence was in it and his holiness filled it. And, and, and that was the perfect kingdom creation that he, that he created for his own glory and for us as well. And very quickly after the creation, uh, something happened where the first man and the first woman uh, sinned. And they rebelled against God in what may have seemed like a very simple thing, but ultimately was disobedience to God. And when that happened, when sin entered the world, this kingdom, this perfect, perfect kingdom that God had established at that moment fractured. Fractured. And when it fractured, it fractured into one part, which is this fallen world that we now live in as the result of sin that has entered the world, and this other part of the kingdom, which uh, the Bible often refers, refers to as the heavenly realm, the, the, the place where God dwells, that sort of thing. And so you have this earthly, <coughs> physical, fallen, sinful uh, realm where the effects of sin have taken place and there is violence and there is war and there is injustice and there are cats and there are um, all kinds of stuff in the world and, that are just horrible. And 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 then, and then you have, and then you have the heavenly realm. You have the heavenly realm, where God lives, the more spiritual realm. And and instead of we talked about last week, instead of uh, what is in a lot of our minds, which is this realm of um, 
or which is like we all live here on earth and heaven is way up in the clouds or way out in the galaxies far, far away or whatever, you know, and we'll all go up to heaven someday. And it's very kind of this massive separation. Instead, the way the scripture actually paints the picture of the kingdom is that God is not far and that spiritual realm is not far. It's actually all around us. And we, God lives outside of our space and time, but all around us, even to the point, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come back to that. But just, so we, we fast forward now, we've, we've got this fractured kingdom and then Jesus comes on the scene 2000 years ago and his whole life and his whole ministry. And he is the son of God in the flesh living here on earth. And he dies the death that should have been ours, the payment for our own sin. He takes that death upon himself and pays the price that we could not pay Uh, thus allowing us to live in relationship with a holy and perfect God. And then three days later after he's buried, he raises again, a resurrection takes place. And we talk about how that resurrection was not simply some sort of, you know, like, uh, you know, show-ending miracle for Jesus that, that has so much more significance because it was through the power of the resurrection and this resurrection life that has had been ushered in through Jesus' resurrection, that that fractured kingdom began to heal. And there was now a link between our realm and God's realm through the resurrection so that when Jesus, uh, in, his resur- in, in his resurrection state, in his glorified state, the Bible does not talk about how you know, he, he resurrected and then occasionally he would descend down from heaven and visit and then, and then ascend back up. Instead, the, the language it paints, it paints is that he would just appear. He would just appear. He would cross that threshold hold from our realm or from his realm into our realm and he would just appear. And sometimes it was like he was walking through walls and, and very strange appearances. And he was in a glorified state that people did not readily recognize him. They found him very familiar. And then once they got around him and heard him speak and saw him pray and watched him eat and things like that, he began to, it was like, oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. But he was changed in some way because he was in his resurrection glory. And now we live in this place where the kingdom is not fully healed, but the healing has begun through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, the Bible promises that there will come a day when that healing will be complete, when the two realms will come together and all things will be made new. All things will be made new. And we will all live in that resurrection kingdom, resurrected ourselves. Jesus was the firstborn of the resurrection. We shall be the next. We will be the next. And so this is what the kingdom kind of looks like and will look like someday. And, and, and Jesus' role in that kingdom right now <coughs> is twofold. What I want us to look at this morning of what I want us to look at is this idea that Jesus is our king right now. And he's also our coming king. He's also our coming king. And the roles are a little bit different. But it's the same. There are preparations to be made. Okay. So Jesus right now as our, um, as our king. Well, this is what, first of all, before we get there, let, let me read 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is what uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy about Christ being our king. He says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He, Jesus, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
The blessed and only sovereign. And the way we use that word sovereign, the way, the way Paul uses that word sovereign, is, is, it's actually a word that's still used today when, it's, when we refer to royalty. And a sovereign or a royal is somebody who is in complete control of the, of the, the kingdom in which they rule. They are in complete and utter control. And all submit to that one who is sovereign. And, and it's this idea that Jesus is our king. The prophesied king from all of the Old Testament that all the Old, Old Testament prophets prophesied about, the coming Messiah, the coming, coming king, he met that standard. He met, he lived up to every single prophecy. And I can't emphasize enough how big a deal that is, that when you look at the, the, the hundreds, if not thousands of prophecies that are in the Old Testament concerning the coming Messiah, the coming king who would set things right, that one man ultimately lived up to every single prophecy. The odds of that are astronomical. Astronomical. And yet Jesus Christ, and especially in hindsight now as we see how his life and his ministry and, the, and what he did theologically and, and everything else, how it measured up to every single prophecy, all of them. And so Jesus Christ is our king. And he's our king right now. He's our king right now. And you may not have... Realize you have a king, but you have a king. You have a king. And there's, and there's this idea in Paul's words there that you, you, you go ahead and lift up your own kings and your own presidents and prime ministers as powerful, powerful people. But we serve the king of all of those kings. Go ahead and lift up your nobility or your important people or your great inventors or your great uh, public servants or whoever else that you might look at as influential or whatever And he says, you might have lords, but we serve the Lord of all of those lords. We serve the Lord of all of those lords. And Jesus is our king. And he is our king right now. And so right now, King Jesus is doing this. He is pardoning all who will repent and follow him. And this is a privilege that has been given, uh, even still, the president today has the privilege of pardoning criminals, which is just, it's kind of a crazy privilege that, that has been given to presidents, where a president can look at somebody who's been convicted of a crime and look, at through, look through their case, or just because he's in a good mood or whatever, and decide, uh, I'm going to erase your criminal record. You're no longer a criminal. You're set free. That your, your record has been completely wiped clean. It is like it never happened. You are completely pardoned from your crime. And Jesus Christ as our sovereign, as our Lord, as our King sits today and is in the process of pardoning all those who will repent and come to faith in him. And when we do that, when we talk about this word repentance, the Bible is very clear that repentance is not the act of saying, I'm sorry. Jesus is like, you know, God is is a little bit like uh, me when it comes to dealing with my kids in that I really don't care about your sorry, right? What I want to see is change. That's, that's, that's how I bear it. I don't know about you. Okay. And so God is the same way where he's like, I, I, I'm not concerned about your sorry. What I want to see is change. And so repentance is this idea that I'm walking one direction towards sin away from God. I do a 180 and I turn my back on that life and I begin to walk towards God. I begin to, uh, the things that are important to God are now important to me. And I repent and I start to follow him. I give my life to him. Following Christ is not about just simply saying I'm sorry for my sins and then getting some get out of jail or get out of hell free card. That's not what 
repentance, following Christ is about. Following Christ, turns out, is actually about following Christ. And so we do that. We follow him. And for all who will do that, for all who will put their faith in the cross, who will put their faith not in their own works or in their own holiness or in their own righteousness, but instead in the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and follow him, you are completely pardoned. Now, that's good news. That's good news because every one of us in this room are criminals. Every single one of us. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how clean your house is. I don't care, you know, what your role is at work or your place in this community is. I I don't care about any of that. When it comes down to it, every single person in this room is deserving of the punishment of death because we're all criminals in God's eyes. And if you can stand with Jesus and be pardoned, that's great news. That's really, We're going to get into more of that in just a little bit. So right now, King Jesus is pardoning people, but he's also doing this. Well, first of all, let me, let me read this. Uh, Romans 8, uh, start with verse 9. He says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. <laughs> this is good stuff. Pay attention. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so not only is Jesus in the act of pardoning people who will turn to him, he is also spiritually present through the Holy Spirit. That Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is present in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing, and this is great. Paul often talks about the Holy Spirit in terms of uh, the Holy Spirit Spirit being the guarantee or the down payment uh, or the promise of something that is to come. And that word, that Greek word that we translate into those words, guarantee and down payment and promise, that Greek word is actually still used in the Greek language today. Very, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of changeover in Greek words over the centuries, but that particular word is still, still used, except it means something different today than it meant back then. But when they use that same Greek word today, what they use it for is engagement ring. Engagement ring. When that Greek word comes up, that's what they're talking about, an engagement ring. And it's this idea, I think it's a great parallel to, to, still to what Paul was talking about there, that the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the promise of a day when we will be even more fully in his presence. Where there, we have this relationship through God, uh, to God through the Holy Spirit, there will, become, there will come a day when that relationship will be direct. It will be direct. While we have the spiritual presence of Christ in our lives right now, there will come a day when we will be in his physical presence. And that promise is true. And it's such an awesome thing because one of the things I was, as I was reading and thinking and studying and praying and stuff this week, we talked about last week this idea that as the, <coughs> excuse me, as the kingdom has started to heal, heal, as the kingdom has started to heal, and uh, we, we talk, I, I mentioned last week that in the Celtic faith, there was this idea of thin places, thin places where 
our realm is somehow in the process of meeting the next realm. And, and where you have in the Bible Stephen being stoned and looking up and saying, I, I, see, I see God. Or you have people dying saying, I, I can hear angels and things like that. And those places start to become thin. There's a crossing over. And what I really believe also is that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, each of us become one of those doorways into the, into the realm of God, into that heavenly realm. Each of us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have that doorway right within us. So that when we read the scripture, it's not just reading a book that those words come to life through the Holy Spirit illuminating those words and showing us the things that God wants us to know and wants us to learn. And that word becomes alive and it becomes active. It actually cuts through our soul. It actually heals it. Sometimes it convicts. And through, through prayer, how we are, we're not just shouting words up at the ceiling, but instead, because there is this now doorway in our soul, through the Holy Spirit, from this realm to the next, that when we pray, we actually speak to God. We actually speak to God. And it's that Holy Spirit's presence in our life. He connects us with God. He helps us to follow Jesus Christ. He keeps us on the right path. He encourages us. He empowers us. And that's a great thing. That's a great great thing. So right now, King Jesus is pardoning people who will be pardoned. He is present with us spiritually. But when he returns, when he returns, it's going to switch up a little bit. 1 John chapter 3 says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. (coughs) Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but... We know that when he, what, say it with me, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is and everyone thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And there's this idea that when King Jesus returns, he will be present. He will be present. And you, that may sound, sound kind of like a, you know, kind of a no-brainer, kind of duh thing to say, but it is significant. It is significant. In the same way that as, as uh, you know, when uh, the president visited uh, my workplace years and years ago and how preparations were made and things that were out of place had to suddenly be put back into place because the president was going to be on site because somebody very important was getting ready to show up. In the same way, Jesus tells a parable about it and we've seen it played throughout history where a king will leave his kingdom off on a far journey and the people that he places in charge Will um, will while they rule instead of that king, they rule wickedly, they rule with injustice, they rule poorly, they let things get out of control, they let horrible people um, do horrible things. But when the king comes back, the king who is good and who is just sets all things right. And when we talk about Jesus being physically present with us at that time. This is what you need to know, that this world may have been living as if our king is dead, but they will not have that option anymore. They will not have that option anymore. And he will come and he will set all things right. Which brings me to that next, that next verse, which is in uh, John chapter 5. These are actually the words of Jesus. Jesus said this. He says, the father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. That's pretty big. 
The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, listen to this, this is big, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That is huge, huge. Whoever hears my word, whoever puts their faith in me, will not be judged. Will not be judged. Guys, the reason that is such big news, not only for people who are considering life in Christ, considering putting their faith in Christ, but for all of us who already have as well, the reason that is such big news is because this is a conversation actually that we have, that we as elders have occasionally. When we, when we talk about ways that we can be praying for, for you all as the congregation and um, what we feel like are your biggest spiritual needs, every single time this is one of the things that comes up. Comes up is that there are so many people who have placed their faith in Christ within this congregation, who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that are living their lives and thinking of themselves as if they are still criminals, as if you are still guilty, as if you are still in danger of judgment. And you're not. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. It's not there. And you have not allowed yourself to experience the freedom that has been given to you because you are constantly prosecuting yourself. You are constantly seeing yourself through the lens of all of your old mistakes. And you've got to stop it because that is not the life that Christ has called you to. He set you free from that stuff. He set you free from that stuff. And so when Jesus comes, he comes not only in, as, in his royal presence, he comes as judge. He comes as judge. The next part of that passage, uh, verse 28, says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And I can, he says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That there's coming a day when Jesus will come back as judge. And those who have not placed their faith in him will be judged. And those who stand with him will not be judged. And since we've already established that every single one of us are criminals. And that every single one of us are evil in the sight of the Lord. I don't care if you look at yourself and you think, I'm not evil. I'm not a bad guy. But that's only compared to the person sitting next to you. Compared to God, God says, you're evil. You're evil. And if we're all criminals, we're all evil, we're all guilty. And there's a judgment coming. And you get to escape that judgment if you're standing with Jesus. Then literally, for Christ's sake, stand with Jesus. Stand with Jesus. You need to stand with Jesus. It works out like this, that there's coming a day when a judgment is going to happen. And you will be called before the throne to be judged. And when that happens, if you're standing with Jesus, Jesus is going to do this little move where all of a sudden he kind of bum rushes you and elbows you out of the way and he stands where you're supposed to stand. 
and the judgment that would have come down on you instead will come down on Jesus. And because he's perfect, you're golden. You're golden. He bumps you out of the way and takes your judgment upon yourself. And since he's perfect, God looks at him and says, I find no fault here. This, is, this man is righteous. This man is perfect. This man is righteous. If you're not standing with Jesus and you want to try to stand on your own before a holy, righteous, perfect God, good luck. It's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well for you. It's going to go hell for you. I don't say that in some sort of snarky way because I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I mean, if it was up to me, we'd just forgive everybody. Actually, if it was up to me, I'd probably just forgive the people I like. <laughs> but it's, ultimately, it's up to God. So you guys are in good hands. <laughs> you guys are in good hands. Jesus comes back as judge. And, and when he does, and when, when he sets everything right. Guys, I, I want us to, to be a people who not only stand with Jesus, who put our faith in Jesus, but who exercise the freedom that we've been given in him. Stop convicting yourself for old crimes that have already been pardoned. Stop constantly being your own accuser or allowing Satan to accuse you and listening to that voice. Instead, stand firm in the freedom that you've been given that when Jesus, when God looks at you, when Jesus stands for you, you are, God sees you just as he sees Jesus, which is Perfect, righteous. You know what? You know how, why that's such good news? It's because as long as I've been a Christian, we talked about last week when we baptized uh, Bubba. I was baptized about the same age as Bubba. I was about five or six years old. As long as I've been a Christian, which is, that's like 10 years now. Um, <laughs> I still... I'm in need of saving. I'm still imperfect. I still sin. There are still days. I mean, I, I, I may have, you know, gotten closer to Christ over the years and gotten some things figured out that I didn't used to have figured out. But can I be honest with you? There are still days that I have to hang my head in shame at my behavior. That still happens to me. And if you're honest, it happens to you too. And you know what kind of freedom it gives me when, when, you know, if you constantly feel crippled by your sin, constantly worried that, that, that you're going to be judged or, or that, you know, am I really saved or, or whatever, you know, whatever those things that kind of doubts that go through your mind about your salvation. I'm going to be honest with you and just tell you, I don't struggle with that. I don't. It's not because I'm perfect. It's because I've learned over the years that the freedom that Christ gives me is greater than my sin. Greater than my sin. And so rather than looking to my own efforts as to how God may or may not feel about me, I stand in the freedom that I've been given through Jesus Christ. And do I hate it when I sin and when I, when I let God down? Absolutely, I hate it. But I also know I stand forgiven. I, stand, I don't say that cocky. I don't say that in any other way than just praising God for loving me the way that he loves me. And if you find yourself constantly roped in by your own guilt and your own shame and your own 
feeling of God doesn't love me anymore or whatever, you know, well, you just step away from that and just stand in the freedom that you have in Christ. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. It just simply means that you get the gospel. You get the gospel. That's the good news. That's the good news. Would you bow your heads for just a second? Let's spend some, some time in prayer. Father, we love you. And uh, we thank you for welcoming us into your kingdom. We thank you for orchestrating events and history so that one day all will be set right. And and more than anything, God, we, we give praise to our king this morning. We lift him up high. And we thank you so much for his sacrifice for us. We thank you so much that he dwells in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much that he will dwell amongst us soon and that he will set all things right. God, for those of us in the room who stand with you this morning, help us to truly stand with you and feel the freedom of what that means. And for those of us in the room who are questioning whether or not we should be people of faith, whether or not we believe in the power of your cross and everything else that goes with this Christian faith, God, I pray for those people that they would feel the draw of your Holy Spirit right now, that they would respond to it, not proudly or anything else, but just simply going humbly before your throne and saying, God, I am not worthy of your forgiveness. I'm not worthy of your salvation, but I thank you for it and I embrace it. And I want to do the very best I can to follow you. I am weak and I will fail you, but help me to follow you. Help me to follow you. So God, as we all strive to follow you, keep us close. Help us to really and truly lean into you. Help us to live up to the message of your word. And God, we pray for that your word and that our prayer life and other parts of our life, God, would become those thin places where we connect with you in your realm, where we hear your voice, when we feel you guiding us in the way that, in different ways that you have called us uh, to fulfill our destinies in your kingdom, God. Let your word come alive to us. Let your Holy Spirit speak and whisper into our ears. We want to hear from you. We love you. and We love and we worship our King this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.